Welcome to Up in the Sky, aviation and travel podcast. Stay tuned for up-to-date aviation and travel news, followed by this week's topic of discussion. Now here's your host, Ebony J. and welcome to episode 10 of Up in the Sky Aviation and Travel Podcast with me, Ebony J. I can't believe we're actually on episode 10 now. We've been doing this for like 10 weeks. That's just crazy how fast time goes. But I hope you all had a great week. As you can probably hear with my voice, I've been a bit ill this week, so I've had a sore throat and a bit of a cold. I thought it was COVID, so I did a COVID, one of those rapid COVID tests the other day and it came back negative so I think I've just caught the flu off of someone but I was glad that in the UK we had the bank holiday weekend so I could sort of use the weekend to sort of recover although it's Wednesday today and my voice is still iffy so that's the reason why my voice sounds a bit different and I might cough a bit in the podcast but we'll see how everything goes so let's just jump into the recent aviation and travel news for this week So last week we talked about, in the news, we talked about how the IAG group have announced their plans to develop and use the sustainable aviation fuels. Now Ryanair has actually joined this bandwagon this week when Trinity College in Ireland announced that they will start the first ever research initiative in Ireland this summer to develop sustainable aviation fuels. So the project will be named the Sustainable Aviation Centre and they plan to employ six researchers to form part of the Colleges of Engineering, Environment and Emerging Technology, so the three E's initiative. And they're hoping to be in contact with the European Union and also international governments to persuade them to use aviation fuels that are environmentally friendly in the future. And this project wouldn't actually be possible without Ryanair's investment and partnership. So the airline invested 1.5 million euros in hope that the project will develop zero carbon aircraft population systems. That was a long one. And also noise mapping technologies and more hopefully, hopefully to go into low emission and low noise aircrafts within the future as well. So in a statement this week, the airline stated that they hope to use sustainable aviation fuel on 12.5 percent of its flights by 2030. And Ryanair's Director of Sustainable Aviation, Thomas Fowler, also stated that their partnership with Trinity College, which is in Dublin, will hopefully inform and improve the future investment to secure a carbon-neutral future for the aviation industry. I know from last week's announcement with the IAG Group that some people may think they are copying British Airways and the other airlines after that announcement, But I do really think that it's great that Ryanair are invested in such a huge project for Ireland and that it could hopefully improve the future of sustainable aviation. And it's also using researchers from Trinity College. They could also get young people involved in the future of aviation, which is really interesting to know. And like I said about the airlines within AIG, I do hope the announcements will lead to more passengers hopefully flying with Ryanair, knowing that they are doing all that they can and getting involved in making aviation as sustainable as possible for the future. So also last week, 
I talked about all the airports that were situated in and around London. So Heathrow, Gatwick, Stansted, Luton, City and Southend. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go ahead and take a listen at it. But we are heading back to London City now, which is the closest one to central London, about seven miles away. And this week it was announced that they were the, to be the first major airport to control their traffic remotely from an airport site. So a 15 metre tower has been built and opened at City Airport that will be equipped with 14 high definition cameras that will feed the video and audio back to a control centre situated in Hampshire, which is over 70 miles away from City Airport and it's run by NATS, which is the National Air Traffic Services. So City Airport's Chief Operator, Alison Fitzgerald, has said that they hope the technology and remote towers developed by Sab Digital Air Traffic Solutions in Sweden hopes to improve efficiency and safety with the runways being viewed on panoramic screens with additional radar and weather data. Now, I'm not sure what to think of this. So I know the screens being so large will give you better views than sort of looking down from an air traffic control tower onto the runway. But you just never know the security risk and also you never know whether the systems may go down or screens could be delayed, which could really have a massive impact on flights departing to or from the airport. But Fitzgerald did state that there are always backups if parts of the systems fail. But I I am really not sure what to think about this ATC. Being so far away, I do just think, what happens if there's a power cut or something? Like, I know they will have backups, but... It will be a very stressful time for them and they can't actually see from the airport. But we will just have to see what happens and hopefully in the next coming weeks and months we can see results on how this control tower so far away helps London City Airport. So let me know what you think on my Instagram, Up in the Sky Aviation Podcast. Let me know what you think. Do you think it's a good idea to have the air traffic so far away? So let me know. Now some news from Virgin Atlantic this week. And it was announced that a passenger has been fined £10,000 for a drunken attack. So on a flight from Barbados to Heathrow back in January, on the 5th of January, a passenger called Rachel Street from South London was said to have lashed out at cabin crew and pulled one woman's hair whilst on the flight. So the court was told that Street was moved from first class to economy for after being too loud and abusive and because of this she did actually try to barge her way back to first class at any cost and this at any cost was by lashing out at the flight attendant and she was even heard shouting that she hopes the plane crashes and that they all die and wish she could punch one of the cabin crew so street this week admitted in uxbridge magistrates court to behaving in an abusive and threatening manner entering the aircraft wildly intoxicated and failing to obey command to remain in her seat, even from the captain of the aircraft, and also being accused of assaulting a member of cabin crew. So for this, the judge ordered Rachel Street to pay £10,000 in fines, also to pay an extra £1,000 in compensation, and given a 12-week jail sentence and a suspended prison sentence of 18 months. Now that is quite a lot, but... She's also made, an additional to this, she's also made to follow a strict curfew and she has to stay in between the hours of 9pm and 7am overnight. But I do think this punishment was too right for Rachel Street. I get when you're going on holiday, you like to relax and have a nice drink and start enjoying yourself. Even when you're coming back from a holiday, you still have to enjoy yourself.
there goes my dad's phone. <laughs> for those that don't know, my dad's a milkman and he runs his business from his home phone, so he gets a lot of customers phoning in. But back to it. So I think the punishment for Rachel Street is mm, is what's needed. Like I said, I know you like to have a drink and you like to relax and enjoy yourself whilst on holiday and even coming back on holiday. And then there's just the side where it may get too far with the drinking. And by not obeying the crew's instructions and even the captain's instructions, it could have been a massive security risk for all passengers and crew on board. So I hope that she really regrets her actions whilst on board of that flight and that she thinks twice now before she drinks while going on a flight. If Virgin... I'm guessing Virgin Atlantic won't let her on a flight anymore, but if she goes on any other airline, I hope she realises that she cannot drink and cannot take it too far. And finally, some news from America, and a flight attendant who works for low-cost Southwest Airlines is actually planning to sue the airline for £3 million. So Carol Madden, who is 69 and works as a flight attendant for Southwest, is filing a lawsuit against the airline after claiming her husband died from COVID-19 because she unknowingly caught COVID at a mandatory training session for the airline and her husband caught this a few days later and sadly died within a month. So Carol attended training in Baltimore back in July 2020 to relay protocols for COVID-19 which consisted of practicing cleaning certain parts of the plane interior including seat belts and air vents just to make sure that they are COVID safe. The lawsuit says that in this training session, there was no hand sanitizers, there were no tests or tests for temperatures or COVID before they came in, there were no screens to separate people and also no social distancing. And even in the fire safety part of their training, it was said that their fire extinguisher, I can never say that word, weren't wiped down after each use. And it was said three days later after the training, on the 16th of July, Carol started displaying symptoms of COVID. Don't worry, that's just my dog exiting the room. He's had enough of me. (laughs) Displayed So Carol, on the 16th of July, three days later, displayed symptoms of COVID along with the other attendants. So some other attendants who were attending the same training. They then found out that a staff member who Carol actually shared a table with during this training also tested positive a day later than Carol. So the symptoms were passed on to Carol's husband, Bill, and they both got tested by the 23rd of July. And it was also relayed, and they tested positive, I should have said, on the 23rd of July. And it was also relayed in the lawsuit that the airline was actually unaware that some of the crew tested positive. And they actually did not sort of do the track and trace where you have to inform others. So Southwest did not inform the rest of the attendees at the training. And once Carol communicated that she was ill to her supervisor, they actually refused pay time off until she could actually prove that she tested positive for COVID. So she had to give them a test just to get them get some pay time off while she was ill. Luckily, Carol's symptoms improved, but unfortunately for her husband, Bill, his condition condition deteriorated and he was taken into hospital where he later sadly died on August 12th. So on Friday Southwest Airlines filed a motion to dismiss the case. The airline expressed its 
sympathy for Carol and others who lost their family during the pandemic, but said that blaming the airline for Bill's death is misplaced by saying the claims asserted in the complaint reflect an understandably emotional response to a de devastating personal loss, but they are not actionable under the law. And that's what the airline said in a statement. So it is said that Carol's attorney is preparing a legal response to the Southwest statement on her behalf. So I just feel so bad for Carol and her family, and I just think they do deserve justice, as it is up to Southwest to make sure that not only their passengers are safe while flying, but also their staff are safe, even on the planes and even at training as well. And they should have made sure that everything was all COVID safe and they had all the measurements put in place for this training. Because it's not just the passengers that matter, it's also the members of staff. And hopefully this would never have happened and Carol's husband wouldn't have sadly died. So let me know what you think. Do you think they should be filing a lawsuit against Southwest or do you think they shouldn't? In my opinion, I think they should. So that concludes our news segment for this week. I can feel my voice going. Now on to our topic of discussion for this week. So on to this week's topic of discussion i will be discussing about the tragic air france crash on the concord aircraft so on the 25th of july 2000 at around 4 40 p.m local time in parish Tulsa gall a bac concord aircraft belonging to air france with the registration of f btsc was ready to depart on their charter flight from like i said parish Tulsa de gall over to john f kennedy airport in new york so the flight was carrying up to 100 passengers 96 of these were german one was from austria another was from us and then the final two were from denmark so most passengers as you can tell were german tourists and they were heading to new york to attend a cruise called the deutschland cruise so on the flight there were nine crew these included flight clap captain christian marty he was 54 and had over 300 flying hours on the concorde and worked for air france since 1967 then there was first officer Jean Marco, who worked for the airline since 1971 and had over 2,000 flying hours on the Concorde. And then finally in the cockpit, there was a flight engineer, Giles Jordanard, who had over 900 flying hours on the Concorde. So before we get on to the departure of the flight, you have to put into account that before, shortly before the flight, the aircraft had been in maintenance. So they found there was problems in the left-hand undercarriage. So engineers actually stripped down the components of the undercarriage and reassembled it to sort of be fixed again and so that the warning light wouldn't come up. But what engineers, what the engineers were not aware of is that they didn't put back the spacer. So a spacer is a part that runs in the undercarriage between the two wheels and keeps the two wheels locked in a sort of tracker alliance so it doesn't wobble when taken off and landing and this spacer was actually left on the shelf of the maintenance hangar so before the flight departs the pilot actually requested that he wanted as much fuels as possible onto the aircraft so he authorized refuelers to override the fueling system which gives you 82 to 83 percent fuel capacity 
and then the rest of the capacity would be airspace in the tank. But the pilot actually authorised that the tanks would be all tanks were to be completely filled up with no airspace at all, and also wanted three tons of taxi fuel, which is just way too much. So before this, it was signalled on the aircraft that there was a problem with one of the reversers on the aircraft. So Captain Marty insisted that the reverser was to be fixed before they took off, and this caused a one-hour delay for the flight. So with this one-hour delay, things started to get a bit stressful and rushy <coughs> because they realised that passengers were going to New York to attend a cruise and if there were any delays on the flight it could mean that passengers may miss the cruise which could cause a whole range of problems. And then once the reverser was fixed and they were ready to part, about 20 minutes before pushback, the ground crew came up to tell the captain that they were leaving 19 bags behind as the aircraft was just too overweight to take them. So Captain Marty thinks, oh no, these are pass these are bags for cruise passengers, which has valuable items, jewellery, dresses, suits and gowns that will be needed for the crew for the cruise, which is very valuable to the customers. So he asked the ground operators if there was actual physical space on the aircraft to take the bags. And the ground operator actually said yes, but it would impact the over the weight of the plane and also the centre of the gravity will centre of gravity will be off on the aircraft. So the captain Marty actually agrees to put the bags on at the end of the baggage hold, adding six hundred pounds in weight to the aircraft. That aircraft is just so overweight. It's just mad how they authorised that. So the aircraft, Concorde aircraft, taxi to runway 26, right, and taxi for about five minutes, ready for takeoff, and burn 800 kilograms of fuel, but was still about three tons overweight at this point. So what you've also got to take into consideration is that for the first four the first 400 metres of the runway they were taken off from was actually closed to due to resurfacing and the captain actually asked ATC to use the extra bit of runway due to being so heavy but they realised that with this there could be a slight bump so you know when road surfaces get resurfaced and there's sort of that slight bump from the resurfaced bit to the normal bit so they realised this but it was actually authorised so ATC actually authorised for the aircraft to go over this resurfaced part of the runway and then the aircraft was actually cleared for takeoff and cleared for takeoff with the tailwind and I've heard that with an aircraft being so overweight you should not take off in tailwinds you should go in the other direction and take off against the wind so with this it's funny to think that there was actually no questioning the captain from the first officer and flight engineer they didn't question him going off with the tailwind. They didn't question the refuelling or the bags coming on board, which brings you into the air crew resource management that I was talking about from the Tenerife disaster. So as the aircraft is taken off, the aircraft goes over that sort of bump from the resurface to the normal bit of the runway, which sort of reshuffles the, fu the fuels, reshuffles the wheels. Then at 160 knots, the right front wheel goes over this little metal alloy strip of debris, which was about 435 millimetres long. And this was left by a Continental Airlines DC-10 aircraft, which was heading to Newark, also in New York. 
and this took off just about five minutes before the Concorde aircraft took off. So this metal alloy strip they found out was actually located on the Continental's engine cow and it actually fell off the aircraft while taking off and then as you can see the Concorde took off and it actually went over this debris as it was going as fast as it could to take off and it actually ripped into the front right tyre and it let loads of tyre debris spray over because the tyre was just being blown to shreds from this little bit of debris and it was spraying over the aircraft and one part of this tyre debris actually went into the left underwing sending a shockwave to the fuel tank and causing a lot of fuel to leak out and because of the overweightness of the aircraft Normally, fuel tanks would be shut off so they couldn't transfer fuel to other tanks. But because the centre of gravity and the overweight of the aircraft, the captain actually authorised for this transfer valve to be open so that fuel could be transferred from tanks. So I think it was tank 5 to tank 11 could be transferred. And it just, caught, it just caused a lot of damage. So from the ground and there was a captain on one of the Air France air buses who had only just landed and he did remember seeing that on the left underwing there was actually quite a lot of smoke forming due to that tyre hitting the left underwing and sending that shockwave. So because of all this fuel leaking out and the shockwave coming the aircraft started to veer to the left of the runway and this was due to the right tyre being damaged and it actually started taking off from the hard shoulder. So when the air, when the aircraft was about airborne at about 20 foot in the air the cockpit got a fire warning and the engineer did a sh straight on, I'm not sure why he did this, the flight engineer actually did a fire drill but shut down engine 2 without letting the captain know. So it was found out that the engineer wasn't actually supposed to do this, so he wasn't supposed to shut down engine two, and he was instead supposed to select the contingency power, and of course he just didn't select this. I just wonder why he did that. Why did he shut down engine two without saying, oh, captain, I'm going to shut down engine two, should I do this, or ask for the opinions? But you just never know what goes through people's minds when such a chaos is coming at you so because engine two was shut down a fire was actually caused as you can see with all the fuel leaking out and because there was wiring that was damaged in the undercarriage it actually caused a fire because of overheating with the damaged wires and there was just a sort of blowtorch just a engulf fire just on the right the left hand engine from all the debris and the fuel leaking out so with the power with some power lost to the aircraft because of engine two being shut down which still had some power in it the aircraft sort of staggered whilst taking off and really barely missed an air france 747 who was waiting to cross the runway after the concorde had took off and was waiting to cross so it could go back to its gate and the aircraft was coming in from Tokyo and was actually holding the president of France who had been on a state visit to Japan and it was estimated that the Concorde actually missed that aircraft by about 20 feet 
So it's mad what could have happened if the pilots didn't actually pull the thrust up and get the aircraft as high as possible. So after this, miss, nearly missing that Air France 747, the aircraft reached about 200 feet with fuel still leaking out. And because of all these events, engine one eventually surged, so it just stopped working. And because of this, the aircraft actually banked to the right by about 100 degrees. And in an attempt to level the aircraft, the crew decided it was best to reduce power on the two remaining engines. So engines three and four, they wanted to reduce power but because of the deacceleration of this aircraft with the engines being shut, the aircraft actually started to stall. And then, as you are aware, the aircraft, Concorde aircraft, crashed into the Hotel Lissimo, Lareles Blues Hotel. So this was just at the end of the runway and served passengers going to and from Charles de Gaulle Airport and sadly crashed into that hotel, causing a lot of damage. So from the crash, all passengers and crew upon the aircraft were killed and four people on the ground were killed who were actual employees of Hotel Lissimo, bringing the total fatalities to 113. Now, after the crash, investigations started and many suspects were involved when finding out who was to blame for the crash. So the, the investigation was conducted by the Bureau... I never can say Baru, Baru, of inquiry and analysis for civil aviation safety, where they discovered that the Concorde aircraft was overweight by about 810 kilograms due to the decisions made of Christian Marty, which impacted, like I said, the centre of gravity and takeoff limit. And it was also found that the spacer which controlled the wheels were not replaced, but was decided by investigation investigations that the spacer issue did not actually contribute to the accident. So a full report of this accident was completed by the 16th of January 2002. And this included that the accident happened because the aircraft was overweight, like I said, by 810 kilograms in both baggage and fuel and it was just way above that safe takeoff weight which we all know and the aircraft and it was also caused as the aircraft ran over the piece of debris that was left by the continental airlines dc-10 that had taken off five minutes previously it was found that this strip that was in the engine cow had been replaced in tel aviv on the continental aircraft in israel previously during a sea check and a month earlier which was a month earlier before the crash happened. And then the strip was also replaced again on the 9th of July. So just about, I'd say about two weeks before the accident. So the strip on the engine car was replaced in Texas and was actually found to be installed not by accordance of the manufacturer's procedures. So this was placed on the aircraft totally wrong. So this caused when it was taken off the engine cowl actually the part of the engine cowl actually came off so that was a big part to blame and they also stated that all the crew were qualified to fly and that even if they had aborted takeoff or shut down all the engines a crash would still have occurred and it would have still caused fatalities so there wasn't no right or wrong way to deal with this crash whatever happened it would have just caused fatalities so, in my opinion, I do believe, I know the investigations didn't say the crew were to blame, but I do blame the crew, especially the captain, for adding more fuel than needed onto the aircraft. 
and also for letting those extra bags come on, increasing the weight. But then you've also got to think that the not this dispatcher, the ground operators should have sort of stopped the captain and said, sort of make him realise that adding the bags plus the extra fuel would cause damage and they should do one and not the other so if it was me I wouldn't have added the fuel I would just added the bags and had the right amount of fuel and bags in order to take off not overweight and the centre of gravity to be correct but they didn't actually question the captain for what he was doing they sort of just obeyed his orders so I think they should have sort of just stopped and sort of said well I know the ground operator did say to the captain oh yeah your centre of gravity and your weight will be completely off but when the captain like disagreed and said oh yeah just put the bags on he should have stopped him then and then like said do you realise this these are off it could cause a major crash but unfortunately that didn't happen but I think in the future ground operators need to have like we said with first officers and engineers having a word in the flight i think ground crew need to have a sort of say as well because most of the time well some of the time the captains are not are not right and it just ends in disaster like the tenerife disaster but then i also think that the flight engineer was partly to blame and that was due to him shutting down engine two which actually still had power in it and it was just not following procedures at all like i said it should they should have put in the contingency plan and it was just not following procedures and he didn't even tell the captain marty and marco that he was actually doing it he sort of just when that fire drill came he sort of just shut that shut it down straight away but then i do believe that the engineers also in houston texas who was fixing the continental aircraft of that strip should have actually followed the right procedures by the book and replaced the metal strip properly as if that hadn't have happened maybe this fatal accident would never have happened and i don't know it's mad to think that just one little metal strip that's fallen from one aircraft caused that many fatalities and destroyed a hotel it, it's just really crazy to think isn't it but I do think they are partly to blame they should have followed the book followed the manual and put that metal strip back on as properly as possible and checked over it numerous of times so after the crash all the concords that were owned by BA and Air France were all grounded until further notice until investigations were concluded so they could see if it was a problem with the Concorde aircraft. But from the investigations, the surfaces on the Concorde did resume in November 2001, I think it was. However, passengers were not fond of flying on the Concorde after this. So in, and I think it was due to economical reasons as well. In 2003, both the Air France and British Airways Airlines decided to actually retire their Concorde which is really sad. I would love to have flown Concorde, but I think it's like with any aircraft, if there, if you do hear a crash about a certain aircraft, people do get scared to fly it. Like, I know if I ever had to fly on a 737 MAX 8, I'd be a bit worried because there has been so many crashes. But the Concorde was just such an extraordinary aircraft, but it was this, just this, this disaster and economical problems with the ticket prices being too high and too costly to run. It just sadly had to retire, didn't it? 
So let me know what you think and who was to blame for this accident because there are so many components and little actions involved in this. It's just it's just crazy, like I said, that little bit of debris caused that accident. But then also, if it wasn't for the captain piling on all that fuel and being overweight, it may not have happened. If Actually, I come to think of it like they said with the engineer shutting down engine two i think it still would have caused a crash like they said but it was interesting to see look into this crash and sort of see who was involved in the blame of this and just that there were so many components it was just really interesting to sort of look into so if you are looking more into this crash and you want to find more research i do recommend Oh, what was his name? I'm trying to think of his name now. I watched his whole video. I used we did a module in U, uh, university and it was managing human factors in aviation. And we actually had to learn about this crash and we actually did a discussion of who was to blame for the crash. So we for an assessment we all had different roles. I think I did the first officer, G Marco, and I had to sort of say, Oh, I did the right thing. Captain Marty didn't and then we had to do a massive debate about it. It was really interesting to do. But a video I recommend to watch is a video from a Concorde pilot called John Hutchinson. And he filmed this at the Duxford aircraft hangar. And if you've never been to Duxford, it's amazing. It's just planes and museums and they do really good air shows there. But he was based in Duxford and he actually just sat on an aircraft and for about... 20 minutes he just talks about the Concorde crash and everything that happened what caused it the components that just it was just an, an amazing video I think you should watch it like there's no animation it's just him sitting there and just telling you like from expert as he's flown the Concorde he knows exactly what happened he got all the intel from other captains and everything so that is a really good video to watch so if you just type in john Hutch john hutchinson concord disaster i think it should show up it's about a 19 20 minute video but it's really worthwhile to watch it gives you all the details that i sort of tried to put into this podcast but go and watch it if you really do want to so that concludes the end of the podcast and the discussion of the Concorde crash and also concludes episode 10. I can't believe we're on double digits now. And next week's episode, is it next week? Yep, next week's episode won't be released on Wednesday next week. It's going to be released on Thursday as I've got to attend a work course on Wednesday. So we'll see how that goes, but I'm going to record it a day... So I normally record these podcasts on a Wednesday and put it up straight away. So I'm hoping to get it recorded, hopefully Tuesday, and schedule it for Thursday or maybe Thursday morning. So the next week's podcast will be up on Thursday the 13th of May, just because I've got to attend that work course. So it will just be one day later this week. But in episode 11, I'll be giving you again the latest aviation and travel news. And we'll also be discussing everything about the Boeing 747 aircraft and all the history behind it and how it was made which I'm really looking forward to going into it's one of my favorite aircrafts I've only flown once with Travel City Direct 
the most randomest airline. I wish I got to fly on more 747s, but unfortunately I didn't. So I'll be researching everything about 747s all this week, which I'm really excited about. It's nice to go into sort of uh, aircraft instead of talking about airlines and airports all the time. And hopefully I just won't feel so crap and I won't feel ill anymore. Because <laughs> I, know, I know this podcast might feel a bit, I don't know what I'm talking about. I just don't feel that well. So hopefully next week I'll feel a little bit better. And like I said, next Thursday will be the new episode instead of next Wednesday. So to end this podcast, it's a bit jumbled up and a bit muddled, I know, but we'll go with it. So to end this podcast, I'm Ebony. This is Up in the Sky. And I hope you'll have a next... I hope you'll have a... You can tell that I'm really ill because I'm just mucking up my words. I hope you'll have a great week and I'll see you next Thursday. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Up in the Sky. New episodes will be posted every Wednesday. Follow at Up in the Sky Aviation Podcast on Instagram for information and updates. Hope you all have a great week.